John chapter 18, verse 33. The Lord has laid this word upon my heart, and He laid it upon my heart yesterday as I was, of all things, while I was mowing the grass. Oftentimes while I'm mowing the grass, I'll have my earbuds in, I'm listening to worship, and I'll be praying, talking to the Lord, letting Him talk to me. And there was this thought, and I believe a word from the Lord that was dropped into my heart yesterday as I was mowing the grass, just being with Him. And it's we're going to start from John chapter 18, verse 33. Then Pilate entered the praetorium again, called Jesus, and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Are you speaking for yourself about this, or did others tell you this concerning me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight, so that I should not be delivered. To the Jews, but now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. The title of the message today is the prophetic voice of the church. Lord, I pray that you would bless every person listening, every person watching, those who would watch it hereafter for weeks, months, or years from now. God, that you would bless this word, that you would help us in this season and in this time, God, that we find ourselves in, that is a time unlike any other, that we would be the church, that we would step up in the divine mandate you've given to your church, a church which you died for, and whom you're the head of, I pray that you would help us, God, by your grace, by your power, by your spirit, you would help us to be what we ought to be. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. This thought came into my mind as I was mowing the grass yesterday as to the idea that the church, not just one person, not just a few people, not a group of people who are Christians, but the church collectively has a prophetic voice and that the church must continuously speak prophetically. Now let me explain a few things before I get into it. I would just encourage you, please hang with me, listen very, very closely. If you drift off for 30 seconds or a minute, you're going to miss a lot. So please hang with me very closely so that you can understand what the Lord is saying. When we look at this understanding of what prophecy is. In the Greek, it is a formation of two words, that is pro and feme. This word pro means forth, and this word feme means to speak or declare. And the Greek word is prophetio. Uh, it means to speak or declare. So the word prophecy is the combination of the word pro and the combination of the word feme, and it means to speak or declare to speak forth. It literally means to speak forth. And in the context of the biblical context, it means to speak forth the mind and counsel of God. Though much of Old Testament prophecy was purely predictive, prophecy is not necessarily nor even primarily foretelling. 
It is the declaration of that which cannot be known by natural means. It is the foretelling of the will of God. Whether with reference to the past, the present, or the future. And so while it may have, and often does in the Old Testament, it is noted by a predictive prophecy or foretelling in its root understanding, prophecy is the declaration of that which cannot be known by natural means. It is declaring the will and the counsel of God. That is what prophecy is in its most basic understanding. When you look in the Old Testament, but the majority of the Old Testament is made up of the book of the prophets. These were individual men who were called to their generation to prophesy to the people of God and even to prophesy to Gentile nations surrounding them. Oftentimes, these prophets were called, and they were always called, to speak on behalf of God. They were, they were chosen to be a representation of God to the people. They were called to be a mouse, mouthpiece for God to the people of God and sometimes surrounding generations. And oftentimes, most of the books of the prophets, they entail a great deal of warning to a disobedient Israel and they oftentimes prophesy or foretell or predict coming judgment if they do not repent and turn their hearts back to God. There is continuous predictive prophecy throughout the Old Testament, but there is also foretelling in addition to foretelling in the Old Testament. And you see this continuously throughout the Old Testament. When it comes to predictive prophecy or foretelling of the Word of God of things that are to come, you can see continuously how things were fulfilled even in the New Testament through the person of Jesus Christ, how that prophecies were fulfilled in the New Testament after we even read the Old Testament. We, even, we can even see that prophecies have not yet come to pass that are soon to come to pass. And we have even from generation to generation seen prophecies come to pass that were foretold in the Word of God. And so we're very familiar with the prophets and prophecy of the Old Testament. And as we transition to the New Testament, prophecy is still relevant, it is still necessary, and it is still real today. There is the office of the prophet. There is the office of the prophet. And we know the fourfold ministry in Ephesians chapter 4. And you can read in Acts chapter 11 how that prophets, including a man named Agabus, came from Antioch and they prophesied to the men of God. They gave a prophetic word. They were used continuously in the prophetic to the point that they were, they've held the office of a prophet and that the Lord used them in that way. We also understand when it comes to prophecy or a word of prophecy, how that there is the gift of prophecy that we read about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and chapter 14 that Paul wonderfully lays out as to how wonderful prophecy is because it brings a word of God, it, it brings a word from God to the people that they can understand and be encouraged and edified by. And there are people who are used that God so chooses to pour out a gift of prophecy and use a person to edify the people of God. But I want to speak more generally when it comes to the prophetic. I want to speak to the church collectively as to why the church is called to be a prophetic voice. The church globally, the church locally, but the church of Jesus Christ has been called and has always been called to be a prophetic voice to the world around us. 
Just bear with me as I explain this and delve into it. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1 says, God who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets. God used the prophets in, old time, in the Old Testament in times past. He spoke through them to the people. Verse 2 says, has in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things through whom also he made the worlds. In past times, God spoke through the prophets, various men, a special group of men who he gave special knowledge and a special word to. But now in these last times, that is beginning 2,000 years ago, he has once and for all spoken through his son or supremely spoken through his son, that is the manifestation of Jesus Christ as the Christ, as the Messiah. Verse, First uh, uh, John chapter two, verse eighteen says, "Little children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour." This is the Apostle John speaking in the first century church, and he's saying there are many Antichrists already. We know of the Antichrist, spoken of in Revelation, but there, are, there is the spirit of Antichrist, even in the first century, and even today. And is a sign that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out, that they might be made manifest, that none of them were of us. But you, listen closely, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. This is every Christian. You have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Therefore, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If you heard from the beginning about what you heard in the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. Last verse, verse 25. And this is the promise that he has promised us eternal Life. Listen very clearly. The Bible's supreme prophetic word is this. The glorification of Jesus as the Christ. Jesus of Nazareth, born in Bethlehem, which was prophesied by Micah. The glorification of Jesus as the Christ and the proclamation of salvation in his name. There is nothing more supreme than this which has been declared to mankind. This is the Bibles. This is the Old Testament and the New Testaments. Supreme prophetic word. Supreme declaration of the mind and counsel of God. It is the glorification of Jesus as the Christ, as the Messiah, and the proclamation of salvation in his name. And as we read in our text in John chapter 18, we read, Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Bear with me. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king for this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. 
everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life in the gospel of John. And he said, for this purpose, I was born to bear witness to the truth, to point to the father and for me myself to be the truth of the father. The word which has become flesh. And then everyone, that is you and me, everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. He hears my voice. Here's something very important to understand. There is no one person or group who speaks for the church of Jesus Christ. There is no one man or group of people who have so much authority that they fully in themselves represent and speak for Jesus Christ. Unlike the Old Testament, God does not speak through a select people, but he has in these last days, once and for all, spoken through his son, Jesus Christ. And as Jesus ascended on high, he gave a divine mandate to his church and made her the vehicle by which he would manifest his glory to the world. You have an anointing. That is, the Holy Spirit has been placed in you through faith in Jesus Christ, and he teaches you. He puts the counsel and the mind and the word of God within you, and now he has called you to speak for God. He has called you individually and then corporately, the collective body of Jesus Christ. We have been called to live prophetically. Been called to live prophetically. As I defined earlier, remember, prophecy is the declaration of that which cannot be known by natural means. It is the foretelling of the will of of God. And as Christians, as citizens of a different kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdom that Jesus rules over, not a kingdom of this earth. Jesus told Pilate, my kingdom is not of this earth, otherwise my servants would fight. But we are citizens and servants of the kingdom of God. And as citizens and representatives of the kingdom of heaven, while we are still here on earth, we are here to prophesy to this generation. We are here to declare what only the people of God can hear, and that is the voice of truth which emanates from God's Son, Jesus Christ, from, through whom he has spoken once and for all. It is this the way that you live your life must communicate that you represent a different kingdom, a kingdom that is not of this earth. It is a truth of the kingdom of God. And it is those who hear the voice of truth that they can now declare the word of God. It is not for a special few who have a special message from God. There are individuals who are used prophetically. In the most narrowest sense. And he gives a specific word for a specific time to a people. But God's church, collectively, and you being an individual member, you are called to speak for God. To speak for God because you have an anointing. You have the Holy Spirit. You have the word of God. And your life is to testify of a different kingdom that is not of this world.
And just as Jesus came to bear witness of the truth, he told Pilate, and everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. He has given you an ear to hear and a mouth to speak for his name. So I ask this, are you living prophetically? Are you living prophetically? Here's what I mean by that. The way by which you respond to current events, the way that you respond to suffering and persecution, every, every way in which you live your life, are you driven by faith or are you driven by fear? Are you driven and governed by facts or are you driven by faith? Are you walking by faith or are you walking by sight? The way that we communicate what is on the inside of us, the way that we live our lives, it indicates of what kingdom we are citizens of. Where are our affections? Where do our affections lie? And what do we value in life? And here it is. The way we live our lives must attest to the reality of eternity, of heaven, of hell, the reality of God's word and promises. The way that you live your life on a daily basis, and especially in light of this current pandemic, your life must be lived prophetically, and that you do not live based upon the dictates of the flesh of the world and the things going on around you, but you are a people of faith. You're a people of God's word. You're a people of God's promises. Your eyes are on the master. Your eyes are not on the television. Your eyes are not on the, the numbers that go up and up and up when it comes to the amount of people infected and the amount of people who have died. You live your way, you live your life in such a way that the reality of heaven is lived out in your life. The reality of eternity is lived out in the way you respond to life circumstances and the way that you live your life totally. If you're living prophetically, your eyes are on Jesus and not this lowly world. Your eyes are on the kingdom by which you are a citizen. And you have a you have a ear that is able to hear something and to discern and to understand something that is not of this world that the world around you cannot receive naturally. They cannot receive what you can because of the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. They cannot naturally discern or understand what you can as a child of God. To live prophetically means we are living with an expectation of Christ's return. To live prophetically means we live in earnestness and urgency with diligence and prayerfulness and watchfulness. And we're continuously working to live prophetically means we live our lives in accord with the truths of Scripture because they're true, they're real, they're living, and it will come to pass. To live prophetically is to live the life of Jesus Christ and to speak for Him, to be His hands and His feet, and to speak the Word of God to a generation who has all kinds of voices screaming at them. And above all the other voices, above all the other things that are offered to this world, this world needs the person of Jesus Christ. As I said earlier, the most supreme revelation, the most supreme prophetic word given to us from the word of God is that Jesus is the Christ. And it's through the proclamation of his name that there is salvation. There's no other name by which we are saved. 
To live prophetically means to live your life guided by spiritual truths which are not discerned nor learned in the natural. It, it is a life lived with spiritual eyes. It is a life which yearns and groans for its heavenly home. The way you live your life, the way you speak, what you, what you dwell upon, everything, everything, it must point to the person of Jesus Christ. You as his servant, one who hears the voice of truth, your life indicates there's something more than this. Your response to a pandemic, your response to affliction and suffering and death, your response must indicate that there is an eternity, there is something beyond this, and that there is a love of God and a hope and salvation in Jesus Christ. That is living prophetically. That is foretelling the will of God through your life, through the words of your mouth, through the meditations of your heart, to, by means of your response to circumstances around you. It speaks of something greater than this lowly world. That's what it is to live prophetically. You have an anointing, the Holy Spirit, and you have the truth. And it is antagonistic towards the Antichrist. And there are many Antichrists. And what the Antichrist wants to do, the Antichrist spirit, it wants to dethrone Jesus from the place that he has been glorified to. He wants to dethrone Jesus from the place of Christ the Messiah. He wants, he wants to deny the deity and the preeminence of Christ Jesus. The, it has everything to do with the person of Jesus Christ. And it's through faith in him that you have a teacher on the inside of you, and now you are called to be a representative of Christ, to speak for him. You're a member of the body of Christ. He is the head. He's the head. There's no big eyes and little U's in the kingdom of God. Every single person is important. What Jesus speaks to one, he says to all. What he says to one, he says to all. There's no special revelation, no esoteric knowledge. There's no upper echelon of Christian. You have the Spirit of God, and you are called to live in such a way that it points to the reality of the truth that is in Jesus Christ the righteous. Let me very quickly share with you, in a very generalized way, how Two ways by which the church has law can lose her prophetic voice. This could be quite exhaustive. You can list out all kinds of things. But this is just something that the Lord has laid upon my heart. Simply put, two ways by which the church loses her prophetic voice. And it's quite generalized. But the church loses her prophetic voice and consequently her influence and significance in society when, number one, we try to become relevant. When we try to become relevant. That word relevant means appropriate to the current time, period or circumstance of contemporary interest. When the church tries to be relevant, it is when the church seeks to gain influence in society by means of trying to fit in to be popular, trendy, fresh, or new. Now, we, sh we should not be willfully ignorant as to the trends of society, as to what is happening in our world, and the 
progression or the direction of culture. We should not be ignorant as to the trends of culture, but we are not anchored to the trends of culture. We are not anchored to the things that come and go from year to year, generation to generation. We are not called to be popular. We are not called to be cool and cutting edge and to fit in. We are, as the church of Jesus Christ, we are anchored. We are anchored to truths that transcend all time and all generations. The word of God is always relevant at all times to all people. Listen, the word of God, the truth that emanates from the Father through Jesus Christ is relevant for all times, for all people. We don't have to try to be relevant or try to fit in or find an influence in society by trying to be like it. We lose our prophetic voice when we desire to compromise the gospel message so that we will be more palatable and more re readily received by a world, really, who hates God. When we care more for the praise of men than we do for the praise of God, we have given in to this desire for cultural relevance. And ironically, we become even more, we become irrelevant the moment we try to be relevant. We become just another voice swirling in the air. We are called the church of Jesus Christ. We are called to live in stark contrast to the darkness around us. There must be a differentiation between the church and all the other voices swirling in the air. The moment that we desire to seek the praises of men, we immediately come irrelevant and we lose any influence and ability to affect our society the moment we cower down to and cater to the desires of fleshly men. But if we would hold to the truth of the word of God, if we would say we have a divine mandate that comes from heaven above of which I'm a citizen and I will I will uncompromisingly, I will boldly, I will lovingly, I will graciously declare the word of God. It is then, it is then that there is a differentiation between that voice and every other voice in the world. Every other voice is one of the Antichrist and it is demonic and it is humanistic. But the voice that comes from above that we can hear and that we can declare is one that has the power to save. That is the person of Jesus Christ. We as Christians are called to be salt and light and compromise this desire to be relevant. It makes us to lose our saltiness. And that saltiness represents a usefulness or an effectiveness. It causes us to lose our savor and it's no good for anything. And it's thrown out into the street. If we desire to compromise and make this gospel more palatable, we're called also to be light. We're not called to place our lights under baskets, but rather put it out in the open for all, for all people so they can see and come to the knowledge of the truth of the word of God. We are, the Christian is as a city set on a hill and no man can hide it. No man can hide it. Just live your life for Jesus Christ. Live your life for Jesus Christ. Listen, the word of God works. These truths work. From the beginning of time, God has never changed. God has never changed. 
His word stands forever, everlasting to everlasting, and it works. And we are called to be a prophetic voice for God. We're called to represent a different kingdom. We are called to represent the kingdom of God. The prophets of the Old Testament, there was very, very stringent guidelines as to how you would prophesy. And there were some prophets who would cater to evil kings of that day because they did not want to be criticized and castigated, persecuted, or even killed by a wicked king who did not want to hear the true word of God. But it's the truth that will set men free. It's the truth of Jesus Christ that will set men free. And we are called, we are called to manifest this person of Jesus Christ in the body of Christ. His hands and feet were called to call people to the cross of Jesus Christ. And it's then that we can have significance and influence in this society and have real change. We are called to be a prophetic voice, not to mix in with the crowd, not, not to go with the flow of culture. We're called to be a voice that differentiates itself from all other voices. And that voice points to the one who is the king of truth, who is truth himself, which is Jesus Christ. And secondly, the church loses her prophetic voice when we try to be countercultural for the pure sake of being countercultural. So in the first instance, the church loses her prophetic voice when we try to become relevant. And then on the complete opposite end of the spectrum, the church loses her prophetic voice when she tries to be countercultural for the pure sake of being countercultural. Now, let me explain by this illustration. When I was in Lamar University, I graduated from Lamar University in 2010. I was there from 2006 to 2010. And periodically throughout the year, there was a group of Christians preachers, quote-unquote preachers, who would show up, a few of them would show up with these signs that had some words written on it, and they would get in the middle of the university and start screaming at the people walking by. And the, they, and the way by which they preached the gospel was that they seemed to be happy that people were going to hell rather than to be happy to preach that they could be saved from hell. The way that they preached in this open-air format to anybody who would go by, it was very condescending. It was very hateful. There was no grace. There was no love. There was nothing uh, um, There was nothing alternative to the judgment of God offered. It was nothing but fire and brimstone and no grace offered. It was every person who walked by, you were going to hell. And they would point to people and call them out and be very hateful. It'd be very, very condescending and condemning. And it vexed me and us, my spirit. Anytime they came to the university, I thought, this is not the true gospel. This is not the true gospel. You're not representing my Jesus. Yes, he's just. Yes, he's holy. Yes, there's judgment. My, my God, how do am I saved from that judgment? How am I saved from the pits of hell? It's by God's grace because he loves me. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son that no man should perish 
that we should all have eternal life. When I say this, that the church loses her prophetic voice when we try to be countercultural for the pure sake of being countercultural, it means this to sum it up. It would seem there are some who would like to be known for how different they are from the world rather than to be known for how much they are like Jesus. There are some people for the pure sake of saying we are not like the culture. We have rebelled against the culture in the name of God. They take more pleasure in the fact that they are different than the world than more pleasure in the fact that they are like Jesus. Listen, you can be a Buddhist monk living in solitude, and that's countercultural. There are many behaviors and things and, uh, and things you can do that are countercultural. But to rebel against a society for the pure sake of saying we're not like you is not biblical Christianity. When John, uh, Apostle John said in 1 John 2.15, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. This indicates that it is the love for the Father that will drive out a love for the world. And conversely, it is a love for the world that will drive out a love for the Father. He doesn't pose it in that it is not that a hatred of the world or world system will increase a love for God. It first starts that I love God, and this love for God will drive out a love for everything else. I love for God and God alone. Love the Lord your God with all your soul, your heart, your mind, your entire being. Love Him and love people as yourself. It is the love of God that will drive out a love for the world, a love for sin, and everything else that is unrighteous. And it is a love, conversely, it's a love for the world and sin that will drive out a love for God. But it is not purely because I hate sin and I hate the culture or the world system around me that causes me to love God. First and foremost, here's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.14. He said, the love of God constrains me. The love of God constrains me. I have come into contact with so much compassion and mercy and love that has saved me as a chief of sinners that I'm so constrained. That word means I'm held tightly in its grasp and I can't help but do the will of God. I can't help but speak for him because I'm constrained, I'm compelled, I'm motivated by this wondrous love I experience that I don't deserve. I'm compelled, I'm constrained by the love of God. I'm held tightly in his grips. And if we're seeking just to be different, just for the sake of saying we're different, we're not like the world, that's not enough. That's not enough. You lose your prophetic voice when you do not put the emphasis on the person of Jesus Christ, when you emphasize how different you are from the world, you're emphasizing you and you're not glorifying Jesus. But if your life points to Jesus Christ, if, if the, the center of your life, the affections of everything you desire is Jesus and to love Jesus, your life will represent that. It will speak of that. It will point to him. It will never point to yourself. It will never point to your own holiness and your own works and your own deeds. It will point to Jesus Christ. And so the church 
She must love Jesus with all her life and be consumed, be consumed with the person of Jesus Christ because he is the Christ, the anointed one. And he is the only way of salvation. He's the only way back to the Father. He's the only one who can reconcile us and save us. And our lives are to be lived in such a way that it points to that very truth. And that's what it means to live prophetically. I'm living not based upon the trends and the occurrences of this life. I'm living as a citizen of a completely different world of a completely different kingdom. I am one of a kingdom of truth whose king is Jesus Christ. I'm the one who hears his voice, his voice of truth. I close with this. I close with this last scripture. If you recall in Revelation chapter 19, verse 9, it says, Then he said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, see the, that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant <coughs> and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. Listen, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy of prophecy. The summary of this entire book, the summary of the Old Testament and the New Testament is all found in the person of Jesus Christ. Everything points to him because he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. No man comes to the Father except through Jesus Christ. He is, he is the supreme manifestation of all prophecy of the Old and New Testament, it is Jesus the Christ, and by him are we saved. Everything of this word points to him, and so must our lives. Everything we do, everything we say, the way that we live our lives, it's in perspective of eternity and for the glory of Jesus Christ. We must be about our Father's business. When Jesus was but a little boy, and his parents left, and they thought he was with, a, with another uh, family members, and they, they had left Jerusalem, and they realized he wasn't with them. After a three days journey, they went back, they looked everywhere, and where they found him was at the temple, talking with the Jewish leaders of that day. And they were amazed at his words and his wisdom, and he said, Don't you know that I would be about my father's business? I'm here to manifest the father. I'm here to bear witness to the truth. That is what I was born for. That is what I did in my life, in my ministry. And that is what he has called the church to be. The last thing he told the church, after telling them to go and be endued with power on, on, uh, in Jerusalem, which was done in Acts chapter 2, he said, go and make disciples of all nations. Go and preach the gospel to every creature, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Be about your Father's business. Listen. Through this experience, this world and global experience, all the other distractions around us have been removed. And what people thought mattered so much is gone. And where people once lived for sports and they were wrapped up in their sports and their sports team, there's no sports team to watch right now. 
We're, we're really learning what's essential, aren't we, in this world. But all those distractions that we all have in our lives, many of them have been stripped down. And I think this is a wonderful opportunity for the church to remind herself that you are called not to fit in, not to be relevant, not to be countercultural for the pure sake of just saying we're not like them, but you're called to be a prophetic voice that stands apart from every other voice and you point to the person of Jesus Christ. You point to the reality of eternity. You point to the reality of judgment of he heaven and hell. You point to the reality of a cross that Jesus died upon. And people whom he died for. And you say, listen to him. Listen to the voice of truth. May we live prophetically. May we behave prophetically. May we speak prophetically in our daily existence before our children, before our spouses, by ourselves, before the world watching, so that our lives would attest to the person of Jesus Christ, who is the head over his glorious church for whom he died. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would bless your precious people. You love every single person of this world. And then you have this special affection for your children, that is the Christian. You are their father. You are their friend. You are their savior. You are their Lord. God, let us be intimately acquainted with you, Jesus. Let us be resolved that we would declare your will, your counsel, your word, your voice, there's no special people with some sort of special revelation. You have poured your spirit out into all people. Help us, God, to receive the truth, to be taught by the Spirit of God, and then to go out and uncompromisingly and lovingly and with grace to declare the salvation that is in your name. Help us to live prophetically. Help us to live in such a way that we declare the kingdom of God and we are not dictated by this world we currently are pilgriming through. In Jesus' precious and wonderful name I pray, amen.